Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 605 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, and the results are in. Yesterday we asked, are the Sens a playoff team as they're built today? And you answered, Pillsy already has his, but what do you think the results are among the listeners? It's going to be interesting to find out, and a lot of listeners are saying it depends on if they acquire a right shot top four defenseman. Some of those options are no longer available. We'll take a look at who is still available and who might be a good fit for the Sens to go after. All that and more coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Wednesday, July 20th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to like the videos by clicking the thumbs up, subscribe to the Locked On Senators channel, and leave a comment below. The question we want to know today is how do you improve the Senators' defense? There were oh so many names being thrown out there, but one by one, They've either become less likely in terms of Mackenzie Weger. I just don't see it with one year left on his contract and playing for a contender. Or they've already been traded, like John Marino. We had that debate on Friday. Pilsy, where are you at with this Sens decor as it is right now? Well, I mentioned a few times, I still think probably the best route is for the Sens to try to open things up and really make a push for a top four defenseman at the trade deadline. That's when the market shifts, things change, and that's when the Senators are going to know, hey, are we in a position to really go for it or are we not quite ready to push things in here? But its <laughs> I'll never uh, say it's a bad idea or fault anyone for saying, hey, let's shore up that defense as soon as possible because yes... That does make the most sense, but the options are dwindling. The market seems to be cooling off. And other than Klingberg, Ross, there's not any UFAs that really move the needle uh, as far as a right shot top four D go. So I think Sens fans are going to have to be patient here, but we will take a look at some possible options uh, that could happen. Yeah, I mean, there's a common denominator here in the replies we just asked on twitter at send central you can follow the show there how would you improve the sends decor by opening night is the key word there and removing zaitsev seems to be addition by subtraction when it comes to this whole group but we will look in to more trade or free agent possibilities when it comes to the ottawa senators a little later on today we also have to give rick westhead gave an update in the Hockey Canada gong show, I'll call it, because this should have all been taken care of in 2018-19 after the disgusting alleged sexual assault rape, you could even call it, that took place in the hotel room at the banquet celebrating the 2018 World Junior Championship. No names have come out, but there are some more details that we'll get to a little later on. But I want to go back to the poll that we put up, the one I teased 
in the intro. And that is, are the Senators a playoff team as it stands right now? As it stands right now. And Pilsy, great radio yesterday. And I mean, for a show by fans, for fans, maybe it was. But we both said yes. We both came up with the same conclusion. We took different paths to get there. But the majority agrees. 69% of 2,000 voters are saying that, yes, as it stands today, yesterday, the Senators are a playoff team. 70 responses, though, and I have a feeling a lot of those responses are from the 30% that said, no, guy, they're not there yet. They need to improve the decor. They need to make sure that they can get off to a better start. I I think that the start is more important than the decor. Maybe they go hand in hand. If you have better defense, you have a better chance of starting well. But last year, you can blame the decor for a couple of those losses, but that was just top to bottom, unacceptable play at the start of last season. And the year before, four wins back to back in their first 20 games. It's crazy. I, I think the decor was the main issue, though, Ross, because we look at it, and I know we're a goalie-friendly show, and we tend to sympathize with goalies, but a lot of the goals that were happening early in the season, it was like, what do you want these goalies to do? Like, guys yeah. are wide open. No one's uh, having trouble uh, scoring on rebounds or deflections when they're playing the Ottawa Senators, all these kinds of things. Like, it's just too easy for the other teams to get in good scoring spots, and goalies can only do so much. So I really thought that was an issue. However... I think when sometimes the best defense is a good offense, right? And the Senators have bolstered their offense. So you're hoping that they're going to be playing with the puck in the Ozone, uh, playing with the puck in the Ozone a lot more often than they were last year because of bringing in DeBrinket, bringing in Giroux, and all those young stars are a year older with more experience that should help out for sure. Where I think, I, I kind of think before the Sens make a big splash on defense, why not see what you've got here? Because... Again, you take Zaitsev out of the equation, addition by subtraction, that that should help out defensively. Let's give Travis Hamnick a little bit more time. I thought he fit in nicely here. Now, am I saying he's the savior and he's the, the piece that completes this top 4D? Not at all. But I'm saying let's give him a chance. Let's see how it goes. Jake Sanderson is now into the picture. Let's see how he starts off. Will he be able to transition into the NHL easily? Is he going to struggle? There's so many things that I would like to see how things fall into place before using assets to acquire someone that maybe you don't need or maybe you don't need just quite yet. So for me, I'm really of the mind that if they're going to go big game hunting, I think they should wait. And I think at least let's see what you got here because there's so many new variables, no Zaitsev and Sanderson in the equation here. And I think Eric Branstrom in a in a lesser role could be more effective. So I would really like to see how things shake out before making a big move here. And the X factor in all this is you've invested in two first round picks on the right side of the decor. In 2018, it was Jacob Bernard Docker. In 2019, it was Lassie Thompson. At some point, one of them, you think, would have to hit to be able to play a full, if not partial part, uh, or like the beginning part of an NHL season. I know they both got a taste at different points last season, and I thought that as their game matured, JBD, his first game, he didn't want to touch the puck. Like, that was apparent. But by the end of it, he was calm. He was able to evade a four-checker and, and, you know, make the little outlet play, the safety uh, outlet to his to his partner. So I'm hoping that one of those guys can come in 
Like they're 22 and 23 years old, Pilsy. Keandre Miller is an established NHL vet. He went like two picks before JBD. And I understand that JBD's game is about size. It's about control. It's about being physically mature to to angle guys into the corner. He's just going to be a steady defensive defenseman. And he doesn't have the 6'5 frame that Keandre Miller has (laughs) that could kind of, the reach just alone could carry him in terms of being able to be a stout defensive player. But for JBD, like, you're drafted five years ago. Like at this point, like let's let's go. Let's see you have a big summer and come into camp. You're you're touted as Shabbat's partner. Like Shabbat's got six years left on his contract. I mean, is he is he going to be ready by the time it's done? Obviously, I say that tongue in cheek, and he took some great steps last year. But I think it's kind of like go time for for those two first round picks. I'm a little more conservative. I think they both could use a little bit more time in Belleville. As it stands, I've got Lassie ahead of JBD right now. I'm not saying he projects to be a better player or anything like that. I'm just saying I think both of them could benefit from spending more time in Belleville. And again, I think you should see what you've got from this decor before... I was going to say forcing, that's not the right word, before kind of pushing JBD or Lassie into the NHL and kind of being like, okay, like we need you to, we need you to step up here or else it's not going to happen for us. So I think both of them, they've got a year of flexibility here, but yes, I hear what you're saying. There's other guys that have been drafted in similar spots that are already thriving, but I, I do think a little bit more patience is needed there before we really see, because I would rather... I would rather JBD be ready to be a top four defenseman next year rather than force him to try to be ready this year and it stunts his development. I mean, at some point, like, development only takes you so far, right? You but have I mean, to be come on, JBD, he's barely had a full year in the pros, right? Like, that's... Well, 58 games this past season. That, that's I what I'm saying. Pr- that's pr- barely... That's full. yeah barely a full year so I think he deserves a little bit more time to work on uh, on his game at the professional level sure yeah uh, so do you think Lassie should be ahead even though he's a year younger yeah I just think that where their games are at right now Lassie projects to be able to play his style of game sooner in the NHL rather than JBD projects to play his style of game in the NHL you understand what I'm saying like yeah. I think Lassie could succeed as a bottom pair kind of guy that uh, can can move the puck, play well defensively. Whereas JBD, we're really hoping that he can excel and one day get to a point where he can play alongside Shabbat. And I don't think he's ready for that yet. Well, the beauty is they've got a buffer with Travis Hamanick and with Nick Holden, a guy we hadn't yes, mentioned. Exactly. So. What, as I scroll through the replies here, uh, uh, for those watching on YouTube, what would be your ideal, let's say no additions come in, but we will touch on after the break, some some free agents that are still available to be had. But how would you set up the D pairs right now going into training camp? You're DJ Smith, you're sitting there, you're trying to be like, okay, who's playing with Shabbat? How do you have your top six working out? Yeah, so I've got it here. I've got Shabbat playing with Hamannick. I think... Uh... Shabbat is a good enough defenseman that he should be able to ride with anyone not named Nikita Zaitsev. Um, so I think Hamannick should be an improvement there. Sanderson, get him on the left side and have Zub on the right side. We've said it so many times. Zub is able to make any defense partner he's with feel comfortable and uh, really elevate their game. Then on the bottom pair, 
you got to have Nick Holden in the lineup here. He's such an important penalty killer. He's a great defensive player. And on the right side, I got Eric Branstrom. I think in a lesser role, Branstrom has a chance to succeed here. And when you have someone that's so strong defensively like Nick Holden, I think that can work. So Shabbat Hamannick, Sanderson Zub, Holden Branstrom is how I would have the lineup opening night. Nice. Okay, that's great. I'm hoping that JVD comes in and knocks the door down in training camp and, and gets a, a little sniff in, in the top six. But other than that, yeah, I'm I'm kind of all right with, with Branny being a, a bit of a floater, but I don't mind if it's Branny Hamannick on the bottom pair. I know our, our buddy Caleb here has got Shabbat Lassie, so he sees uh, Lassie coming in and taking a Man. top two spot. I know it's a lot of pressure. Two, but... That's a lot of pressure. I, I would love to see it. Do I think Lassie's ready? Not quite sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, the common denominator, and you, you hit it too, is, is Sanderson and Zub together yeah. just makes so much sense on so many different levels here coming up. And coming up on this show, we're going to talk about the available options in free agency. Of course, there's one big left in the defensive yeah. market. And then are there any guys scouring around uh, depth charts around the league that could be valued in trade outside of the obvious ones like Jacob Chikrin that we've spent weeks, months, it feels mm-hmm. like years discussing on this show. All that coming up after Pillsy shares a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Ross, if the Sens are able to acquire a top four right-hand shot defenseman, I'm going to be putting a lot of shekels on them night in, night out on betonline.net because the Senators, they're going to be scoring goals. I'm going to be betting the over a lot. And to find out what those odds might be, there's no better spot than betonline.net. It's the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spots for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just hockey, guys. You got basketball when it's back up, baseball, UFC, boxing, golf, whatever you need, they got it. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Guys, it's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pillar. You can find us five days a week throughout this week right here on Locked On Senators. A quick programming note here as it's now halfway through. This will be our final week of season three. Season three. Season three. Of Locked On Senators. And that doesn't mean that we're going away for the summer. Nah, we, we can't stay away like that. But what we will do is go down to three shows a week. It's going to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we've already got the calendar rolling. We know what we're doing each and every show. And a part of it will be our organizational value rankings. Pilsy and I made our list. We checked it twice. And the coolest part now, Pilsy, now that it is season three, we've got a, a trend of how these players have either improved or fallen in terms of where we've ranked them. Yeah, that was a fun exercise. Ross and I spent, what, Two and a half hours. Yeah, something like that. uh, Organizing our list. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) all day grinding. Um, But we spent a good chunk of time going over the 64 players in this organization, where they fit. And what we did is we organized them into tiers and then rankings throughout those tiers. So throughout uh, the rest of the offseason, I'm not sure when uh, when are we kicking off organizational value rankings? Did we decide? Soon. Soon. So, Um, And I can confirm... That before training camp, Pierre Dorian will be on Locked On Senators. 
I have that confirmed right now before training camp. All right. Well, that's one hell of a confirmation. And what better time to get Dorian on than uh, hot Pierre summer here because he has been wheeling and dealing and making great moves. So I'm fired up about that. That's for, that's that's breaking news to me here. So that's great. And yeah, the organizational value rankings are a lot of fun because it kind of makes you rethink, okay, where where does this guy fit in the organization? How do they see him? What's his value? And that's the exercise we're doing. So get ready for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're pumping up Send Central Citizens again. we yes. got to get back into that. It's been a long time since we've done that. I think our last I, one was Jonas Sogard, wasn't it? It was. It was. <laughs> the absolute beauty. But I think we're going to make it a specific day of the week, like uh, Wednesdays. It feels good on a Wednesday, I think. You know, get the fan energy involved. So yeah. I, every Wednesday, there's going to be a Send Central City. And that's our plan is our when we go to three shows a week starting next week, the plan is to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Things may change, but we're going to try to keep things regular for you guys so you can have them on your routine. So when you're when you're doing your dog walks on Monday, you know you've got an LOSP uh, episode ready. When you're making the drive to the cottage on Friday – You've yep. got LOSP ready for you. So that's that's our goal, and uh, we just want to make that clear so you guys on a on a Tuesday aren't like, where's the episode? What's going on? Where is it? Get start refresh, getting the refresh. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. I'm still dealing with some itches right now. Man, COVID sucks, but this stuff's even worse. I got the old foot, hand, and mouth virus. It, it just sounds awful, too. Not fun. Yeah, not, not, fun, not we're great. Grinding yeah, Brandon Pillar, not a doctor, but I can tell you that's not great. Can you see the little dots there? Damn. No one said podcasting was easy, Ross. <laughs> it's my flu game right now, but we're battling yep. through and we appreciate you making us your first listen each and every day. The growth of the show has been nothing short of phenomenal outside of my wildest expectations, which are um, wild, which are wild to begin with, yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're grinding through to make sure that, uh, that we are the premier hockey podcast covering the Ottawa senators. And, and the, uh, I think people are realizing that the fact that we do this five days a week, uh, they know that when there's news revolving around the Ottawa Senators, we're going to be here. And that's to say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if there is breaking news, as always, we will record a quick segment and we'll put it exclusively up on our YouTube. So if the Sens ever make a move, it will be covered on the Locked On Senators YouTube page. That is our promise to you, the listener, who we appreciate so much. We love you guys and... And the viewers. Absolutely. We are working our darndest to plan the home opener. I'm hoping to have confirmation by the end of this month. So how's you, that for one of the you three told show? me 95% chance. So I'm broadcasting that and making it yep. public. 95%, 95% chance Ross is able to make it. So 100%. No, Wait, right. it's 100% that <laughs> it's 95%. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. Uh, what do you say we get back to our discussion surrounding potential options for the Ottawa Senators' defensive structure. And uh, the story nobody wants to talk about, but everyone has to because it really is flipping the hockey world on its back and uncovering some dirty, dirty secrets. All that coming up here right after a quick break on the Locked On Senators podcast. All right, Pilsy. So Rick West had his latest article. You can find it on tsn.com. CA lawyers for the players linked to the alleged sexual assault will give the NHL videos and text messages. And those text messages are available in their entirety in this article from Rick Westhead. It's a 35 
message back and forth between the victim and one of the unnamed players involved in the sexual assault that occurred the night before. So basically, the they were out, they were drinking. The one girl wanted to come back with the one guy, from what I can can gather here. But then seven other players came into the room. And obviously that changes the whole dynamic and consent goes out the window or has to be re-given. It, it, it's honestly just kind of disgusting that the that's how everything kind of devolved into. But the next day, the text messages start and we're not going to sit here and read each one. Again, as we've done through this whole thing, Pilsy, like go read Rick Westhead's reporting. Take it for for gold. Like this guy does his work. He's uh you know, he's been doing this for a long time and, and he's helped a lot of people uncovering some some serious issues in and around the game. Yeah, and, and we're not about to sit here and speculate um, who is involved, who has done what, fully no. what has happened. And, and I get that we live in a world where it's like you want answers na- and you want them right now. Like think about obviously different circumstances, but on like free agency day, you're refreshing, you're refreshing. Like what's next? What Like I need to know, I need to know. But Sometimes it's better to know once and know for sure than know and every time a player puts out a vaguely worded statement, like the the photo, some people are posting a photo and like scratching off guys who have made a statement. Like that's that's not it. Wait until the names will come out. Like Rick Rick Westhead is not going to sleep, I don't think. Until the names come out. So I think it's very important to wait until that. Because the only thing you're going to do is potentially look like like an asshole if you got the wrong guy. The and, names will come out. And the thing is, there's a legal process that needs to be gone through thoroughly here. And that takes time and say what you want about the system. But that that's what's going on right now is there's a full investigation op- opened up again. And there's a legal process that has to happen. I think what I want to highlight about and what I want to talk about is the issue with Hockey Canada here. And it's such an issue... Justin Trudeau is talking about it and it's a national thing at this point because how many thousands, how many hundreds of thousands of kids play hockey with Hockey Canada, pay their registration fees. Ross, you and I did that growing up. We did that. And to now know that part of our parents' hard-earned money to allow us to play a game we love, part of that is purposely being put into a fund, not if, but when, when yeah. sexual assault cases come up, when they happen, this can be solved. And and the issue here is, my understanding is a lot of massive corporations and companies, they have these types of funds set aside. But those funds are set aside for emergencies, acts of God, things that cannot be expected or changed so that when disaster or tragedy hits, at least you've got something set aside here to focus on that. What Hockey Canada has done here is they've set aside money, assuming and knowing that these things will happen. And their solution is, hey, all right, these sexual assaults have happened. We figured this was going to happen. Good thing we've been stashing away money so that we can pay off the victims and this can all be hush-hush. And that's what they tried to do. And that's simply unacceptable because that just further propels the toxic environment that is junior hockey. And 
Ross, I, I mean, you, you grew up in a city with a junior team. So did I. Uh, I went to high school in the Guelph area. And the way that junior hockey players present themselves and the kind of invincible feelings that they have about themselves is disgusting, honestly. Like, they think they can walk around and do whatever they want because they're a junior hockey player and everybody just bows down to them and the rules don't apply to them. And and that, that simply can't happen. And for Hockey Canada to have money set aside being like, oh, yeah, th- this is going to happen, but we'll be ready for it and we can pay big dollars to hush it up rather than try to solve the problem cannot be the case anymore. And that's why it's so important that this is being blown open and that everybody sees when like there are parents out there working two jobs, full time yeah. job, like full time hours to this. support, to get their kids to play hockey. and part of that money is being put towards hockey Canada, hushing up sexual assaults acts. Like I I'm getting like really, uh, really emotional just talking about it because that is, that's such an issue. And that's the problem with hockey culture Mm -hmm. is hockey culture in the hockey industry is just accepted. This is the culture we have and we have ways to deal with it. You can't, you can't wait for the problems to happen and then have easy solutions. You need to work hard on finding ways to stop those problems from happening. That's what the new process has to be. And that money and that fund should be going. And Hockey Canada put out the letter saying they're going to do more uh, education, more kind of uh, workshops with players, teaching them about the issues with this. And that's where the money should be going to try to prevent these problems, not to try to cover them and sweep them under the rug when they happen. Yeah, well said, Pilsy. And uh, I think the the key is that this is such an amazing game, hockey. Like, obviously, we love it uh, to no end. It just sucks when you you hear that it's being either taken advantage of, as you said, just kind of like the air, the arrogance that kind of came along with these kids being, yep. uh, and not the kids. You know what I mean? Like in generalization there, um, but. Let's let's put it this way. That one situation in that hotel room in London, that's not the only time that an uncomfortable situation has occurred because of the culture surrounding yep. what these these kids are, are brought up believing. And then when it comes to hockey Canada, like I, I feel for, for the family, obviously the victim, I feel for the, the families of all of these hockey players who are paying to have their money be funneled into an account. Where what if they have a son and a daughter? They're paying for the son to play, and then something happens to their daughter. They're literally paying to help cover up a crime against their own. Obviously, that's kind of minimalizing it, but this is a, it's a big issue, and uh, it deserves attention. And the names will come out, and then they will be judged accordingly when they do. Uh, again, we point everyone to Rick Westhead's reporting for more on this and uh, Katie Strang. But I think Rick Westhead uh, with TSN is really doing uh, the most when it comes to to uncovering uh, this whole situation and story. So we point people in that direction. Uh, No easy transition to get off of that, but we do want to touch on the free agents available for the Ottawa Senators, especially on the back end. And we had a name thrown out to us, so I'm going to start there. P.K. Subban is an unrestricted free agent. We know that he's not the $9 million P.K. Subban that his contract dictated over the last number of years, but is he somebody that you would take a flyer on on a one-year term, prove it, buddy, 
one, one, two million dollars? I don't think we're there yet. And, and, and this is nothing against PK Subban. I just, I don't see he that. He still gets booed in Ottawa from his time in Montreal. I mean, he was a part-time lumberjack in that playoff series when he slashed Mark yes. Stone. Um, tried tried to fight uh, Kyle Turris or did fight Kyle Turris. Yeah. Not a fan. So I, I, I see where the mindset is there, but I don't think uh, – because do you like is PK Subban that much better than Travis Hamnick? Like may, no. maybe marginally, but I don't and you've know. got all your offensive weapons on the left side. Like I feel like you really want to make sure that the guy you're bringing in is a solid defensive defenseman. Agreed, and yep. that's never been PK or, or Subban, at least at more of a two way guy, right? Yes. So, but he's I don't never think we're been there that. Yet. No, and, and that's fine. It's just it's not the fit. So defensive defenseman, hey. How about Anton Strallman? Is he a little over the hill? If he was 30 years old, I would bring him in right away. Like I I thought he's been a really good player throughout his career. But now going into a 36-year-old season, I don't know. Yeah, he's on the back nine, and he he can smell the burgers being grilled at the clubhouse here. He can see the clubhouse for sure. He's coming down 18. (laughs) Yeah, so again, not a bad option. Just not the right timing and not, not the right fit. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be a common theme here as we're going through the list of unrestricted free agents here on defense. I guess we have to mention John Klingberg, but both of us were pretty like cold on on Klingberg. It's going to be an overpayment, and he's looking for the contract of a lifetime here, like that. Well, he sees the other options. He's like, "Hey, do you want to upgrade your defense, or do you want one of these guys?" Exactly. And he took like that deal he was on before was crazy. I think it was like six years at like four and a half million or something. Like he was getting underpaid massively for a long time. So he's About looking past time to get paid. Yeah, he's looking to really use his leverage as a UFA and try to get a big contract here. Some people mentioned, ah, why don't you bring him in on a one-year show-me deal? Klingberg would never, I don't think, I don't I don't uh, get that feeling that he would ever go for that. Yeah, And again, you we're looking, he's an offensive guy. We're looking for someone with two-way, more defensive ability on that right shot, uh, right-hand side. So the other name here that I can point to, and please do not bring in Danny the Kaiser. Please <laughs> do not. Uh, Johnny Boychuk, I'm pretty sure, is retired, no? He's got to be. Yeah, I think he was even playing in, in Germany more recently than the NHL, right? Um, not sure, but I could tell you the last time he remembers being at the CTC was probably when Chris Neal and him collided. One of the biggest hits. <laughs> yeah. Maybe all time. Maybe all time. But we, we can't talk about the Sens decor potential options without touching on Calvin DeHaan, who's a cart native, building a... Yeah forever home in Manatech. The local connection is one thing. He's also one of the younger players on this list, only 31 years old. The numbers obviously took a dip playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Everyone not named Alex DeBrinkitz probably did. But I don't know again if it's the right time. Left shot, but can play both sides. He is that defensive defenseman. But again, if this was in his prime, like 26, 27, 28-year-old Calvin DeHaan, I'd be all over it. Yeah. It just feels like the remaining free agents, it's kind of like you would be you would be paying for what they used to do versus what they can do going forward. Yeah, and also I just looked at Johnny Boychuk's uh, EP. I don't know why I thought he played in Germany. He did play in uh, Austria in 2012, but he's been in the NHL ever since. So that's a weird uh, thing. Maybe you're my... thinking of Zach Boychuk? 
social media mar- maybe yeah marvel? yeah maybe yeah so i don't know why why my brain went there um we're on calvin dehan now right That's, yes yes so yeah that is interesting because when we first brought it up ross i was like oh man he's been he's been in the minuses uh for the last couple of years for a defensive defenseman that's minus 37 in the last 105 games but like you mentioned chicago has been a dumpster fire in those years so what, what can you really do here but again i'll pose the question do you see calvin dehan as a major upgrade on travis hammock no yeah he might be a minor upgrade but you're not like if we're not really going to improve on that, then no, what's but, the point? I mean, I mean, you yeah, just I mentioned guess. Ross. You want space for Lassie and or JBD to be ready. Not, not and, not and, not and, or or okay, or what? so bringing in a guy that's just as good as the guys you already have. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, and, and, and Eric Ransom's the wild card here because. We don't really know what we have with him, but at the same time, his trade value is so damn low. There's no sense in moving him. You might as well try to squeeze a little bit more out of him in a different type of role. I mean, he still needs a contract. He's the only defenseman right now on the team without one. And he's under team control, and you could keep him for cheap. So, Yeah, Branny is certainly the wild card in all this. What if Bransford comes into camp, close your eyes, maybe have have a couple Zs come out, and, and then just start thinking about... Eric Brandstrom coming into camp and just taking hold of a top four job. <laughs> but I don't even think he needs to do that. He just needs to prove he can find a way to be a useful NHLer for DJ Smith. I think that's where it's at. How can you show DJ? You don't have to be a top dog, but where can you provide value for DJ Smith right now? And I don't think he's found a spot where he can do that. No, because how many games do you think Eric Brandstrom's played in his NHL career? 110. Close. 116. Okay, yeah, that was close there. Yep. That's a lot of games. 71 penalty minutes, 31 points. But again, minus, I'll reference, he hasn't had a full season. He's been up, down, shortened seasons, put in spots. Well, he got for. a great, before the COVID pause, he got a lot, he got a 31-game sample. Yeah, and, and that's a good sample, but... You need a full season as a young defenseman to really go through the ebbs and flows. I I think at least. I don't know if I can handle one more freak out when he's the seventh defenseman on the outside looking in. I don't think Sens fans are at that point where they're freaking out about it now. Because it was enough sample size to to give him a a good opportunity. But I I think we need to change our expectations for Branstrom now. And that's what it's about. Okay, because it's funny, we're talking about adding a defenseman in the free agent market, not not a whole lot there, as nope. we just discussed. But, like, the Senators have eight defensemen right now signed on, I, I shouldn't say one way, because Jake Sanderson's on a two-way, but <laughs> that kid's not playing in the AHL. He's never going to even have to know where Belleville is on a map, let alone uh, have to play there. So, Shabbat, Sanderson, Holden, Zub, Branstrom, uh, Hamannick, and Zaitsev. So that's seven. And Zaitsev is kind of looking at the odd man out. No spoilers, but he's dead last on our organizational value rankings. <laughs> Ross, come on. <laughs> no spoilers. I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely fair. Yeah. And did I did I miss someone there or did I not? I think you got them all there. All right. So there's seven guys signed 
on the NHL side of the of the organization with Zaitsev. Yeah. So any any addition you would think would mean a subtraction when it comes to a branch from being involved in a trade. Is that what you think? I think so. Yeah, because if you could, again, I, the trade value for Branstrom is is so low right now. But if you did move Branstrom in that deal or in a deal, everyone can just slot down one, right? Like you, you can keep Zub with Sanderson, and then Hamannick just goes down to the third pair. Like a Hamannick Holden pair as your third pair would be great. Like that, that's ideal. Like that's perfect. So you just need a guy that can play comfortably with Thomas Shabbat now. Yeah, well, what really makes the hand, the Holden contract look good, and not only the fact that he took a $400,000 pay cut off his last deal, but the fact that he also has the ability to play with Zub. We saw that a lot last year. Yep. And it would be easy if Sanderson happens to be struggling in a, in a game that you can just kind of flip those two real quick. And just and, be like, all right, hold, Holden, play a couple of chips with Zub. You got it. And the reason Holden is so valuable right now, Ross, is right now I'm looking at the um, penalty killing time for the Senators. Nick Holden played 243 minutes on the penalty kill. Next up was Nikita Zaitsev with 175. Next wow. up was Connor Brown with 168. So let's say we're taking out Zaitsev and Brown. Now you, you, there's a lot of penalty kill minutes that still needed need to be uh, held down. And Nick Holden is the leader here. So he's going to be relied upon heavily here. So I, I think definitely the value of Nick Holden is, is pretty strong. And he's such a locker room guy. Like I think he oh, feeds yeah. into the culture here and the boys love him. Second on the Ottawa Senators in playoff games in his career, right after Claude Giroux. And by right after, I mean Hamnick, or sorry, Holden has 55 and Giroux has 95. Uh, (laughs) If you take out Holden, the entire roster combined doesn't even have as many playoff games as. Oh, not even uh, close. Not even close. Yeah. Austin Watson's obviously got some from his time with uh, Nashville, but. Yeah, other than that, there's not a whole lot of playoff experience on this Ottawa Senators roster. It just makes it that much more great that Claude Giroux decided to come home. We're going to keep the vibes rolling tomorrow here on Locked On Senators, and I'm not going to tease an interview. I'm not going to do it, Pilsy. Okay, felt sure. Through. Okay, I'm, I'm not teasing an interview that we might have tomorrow. I'm not doing it. Any final thoughts, Pilsy, before we go? <laughs> um. No, not not too much. We're we're in the dog days now, right? The the draft's over, the big free agent week, excitement is over, all the the biggest RFA for the Sens is over. So hopefully Pierre Dorian can do us a favor and sprinkle in these RFA signings spread out so that one uh, by we one. have yeah, we have some content to work with here. But I guess when when is arbitration yeah. uh yeah, we have plenty of content, but when's the arbitration date? Between July 27th and August 11th. Hey, maybe tomorrow or Friday we'll touch on the Matthew Kachuk saga because that is turning into what I dreaded the Senators Brady Kachuk negotiation would turn into. But it really does feel like that in Calgary. So we'll get into that later on this week. And then we also next week have to look forward to Team USA World Junior Camp. If you missed our episode with Tyler Boucher on Monday Go check that out right now. Absolute beauty. Can't wait to see what's next for him next week with Team USA. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.